Hey guys, good morning. It's me, Radical Ray. I'll be having some of my coffee, but I was sitting here thinking about topics from yesterday, and one of the ones that really stick out and ones that I've been saying I was going to talk about is the mental health industry, um, counseling, psychiatry, and how misogynistic it is. And the reason why I'm saying this is because um, she goes by Jessica Victim Focus on Instagram, and she's really brilliant. I follow her, absolutely love her. And it was so reassuring finding her because I felt crazy. You know, I felt very, very crazy, and any kind of help I sought out, I felt like I was being, like I was being blamed, you know, like, and it sucks because when you're like, okay, stop victim blaming. Because, you know, you go into therapy because, not because you want to seek out victimhood or anything like that, but because something is really upsetting to you, something's really bothering you, you notice something's wrong, because you care that much about yourself. You know, you're seeking out this care because you care about yourself and you, and you want the pain to stop. And I know there are a number of different reasons somebody may go into therapy, but it, it, it ranges, right? So whatever your case may be, I find that talking to a lot of women, our problems are basically, you know, we're being told it's our fault. You know, there's an underlying, a victim blaming there. And it was nice to find Jessica Victim Focus because she points all of this out. And last night I posted something on Instagram um, about, you know, my past and the things I faced. And I used to have a very severe eating disorder. Um, it landed me in the hospital a few times. And the very, you know, becoming to terms with the reasons why I did it. Um, of course, laced in misogyny and patriarchy and control and women don't, you know, we, we lash out, we try to find control within our own lives because, you know, what choice do we have? You know, we try to find choices and, you know, come to terms with the fact that sometimes women don't have any real choices and, you know, uh, the more poverty struck, the less educated you are, the stronger those desires become. Um... So the system is already set up against women and I posted about it last night about, you know, having an eating disorder and relapsing several times. And I'm in my mid and late thirties now and I haven't relapsed in a while, but there are days where the dark demons, right? As I call them, it's, it feels like something's possessing your body, right? Like you don't even recognize yourself sometimes. Um, you know, they come back, it floods back to you and it's a lifelong battle. And hopefully, you know, you grow older and wiser and start caring for yourself more to a point where you know that that is, you know, those are wrong feelings to have, you know, you set up your materials to combat that feeling. But I wanted to discuss about when I was a teenager with such a severe eating disorder, I passed out at school and they took me to the hospital and you know I was obviously underweight and it was all it was all sorts of bad and 
I went to go get counseling for it. I can't quite remember how the situation played out, but I'm I'm in the counselor's office with a nutritionist. So there's not in the counselor's office. I'm in like a clinic um, where I want to say it was a counselor, psychiatrist. Like, I honestly don't remember. But they're sitting across from me and it's two women, might I add. Um, and I'm not saying women are too fall by any stretch of the imagination because I will touch upon this after this story. Two women, one's a nutritionist and one's a psychiatrist counselor, something along those lines. And, you know, they were talking to me about my relationship with food and um, basically telling me that I'm not fat. Like, but that's not what I was feeling, you know. Um, that was part of my problem, but it wasn't really being overweight. That wasn't really what I was like experiencing. And it started like that. Don't get me wrong. And so probably why they assume that because a lot of it starts that way. But you know, so they're like, you're not fat. You're not fat. You know, what's your relationship like with food? Why do you have such an unhealthy relationship with food? And so that kind of struck me as odd. I'm like, well, I don't think I'm fat. Well, you know, like that's not why I'm doing it. Like, um, I'm doing it to be attractive, you know, not because I think I'm fat, but because this is how I can be attractive. This is the only way I can be attractive by, you know, being fat wasn't even crossing my mind kind of thing. And they were sitting there discussing my relationship with food and basically saying, you know, what is an eating disorder? What is an eating disorder? They were asking me, what is an eating disorder? What do I think an eating disorder is? And I thought that was really odd as well because I'm a child. Like, okay, cool, you're asking me my opinion maybe? Like, maybe this is supposed to work. And I was talking to them and basically we came up with like a, like in hindsight, I'm going to call it diet because it was an extreme diet of where I ate at least 500 to 1,000 calories a day. And I know they probably wanted to start me off slow because the weight gain would probably spiral me out or whatever. But in hindsight, it's like, was this actually the best way to go about my eating disorder? Could I have combat it much earlier if I just had the proper care, if I just had the proper therapy, if, you know, because it's like telling a drug addict, oh, you can do a little cocaine until you quit. <laughs> like, I feel like that wouldn't help, you know? So just reflecting back on it, but I feel like this is from a very misogynistic, patriarchal standpoint even. I feel like they're teaching that from the scope of what men thought, wrote, and what men put in books and they studied, you know, uh, because if we look at medical material, it's mostly through the scope and lenses of men and men doing the teaching. So in hindsight, you know, I reflect upon this a lot because, the, you know, I've never gone back to therapy after that just because it's like women are judged harshly, women are viewed harshly, and, you know, women can't find the adequate care, and especially from a radical feminist lens. And this is why I think it's really important to teach it through a radical feminist lens because we're trying to dismantle 
the oppressive systems in place. You know, if, if it were me talking to a young girl about her eating disorder, I wouldn't say, it's oh, it's not because you're fat. I'd be like, what is spiraling in your life that you feel you have no control over? Because that's the only control like you, you have as a woman, and especially as a young teen at that age. You know, and I did not have control over anything. And the only thing I had control over was my attractiveness. But then I'm told by society that's the only thing that matters. So then I can control that, right? That's within my realm of control. Which is why so many women, especially young, young, young girls, fight really hard to be attractive. And, and which is why it's, you know, the surgery culture is just so toxic because it's just pumped, completely pumped out at, at you know, molding minds. And even into adulthood, there's women out there who look at these women and they're like, you know, why can't I look like that? Why don't I have money to look like that? You know, why I'm just going to get surgeries to look like that and all of these various other things. And then, you know, that gets into diet culture and what is a diet? What's good for who? What's good for me is not good for somebody else, you know, and we don't talk about the huge diversity in uh, a well-rounded nutrition, nutritional diet. Uh, for people, especially women, you know, and women as we age, we need different things. So just reflecting on the, ins you know, on the um, interactions I had with counselors and therapists and things like that, and then hearing other women's stories of, you know, especially in the military, um, going to a therapist and being judged harshly for a rape you know, like when you're raped or she was raped and the therapist was, you know, well, what were you doing? And did you're in the military and you know how to fight it off. Or they blame uh, childhood traumas as a reason to not give you um, certain medicines or certain help kind of thing. So for an example, one of my friends had experienced a rape in the military and after she was out and it was still starting to eat at her she was at work you know in her normal career job um at work just unable to function and so she went to the VA and she because you know she's a vet and decided to get a therapist through her insurance. And so she's like, you know, and they tell you to go see, um, to use the VA, you know, when you're ex-military and you don't have to, you can absolutely get another job with different insurance, but you know, the VA is the way they want you to go about things in America. And, um, so she used the VA and they find her a therapist so she goes to this therapist and she talks about the rape she experienced in the military and how she's starting to have what she feels is PTSD. And she called me crying afterwards because the therapist said it's much harder for women to get PTSD because we can endure a lot. And that struck me. I was just like, excuse me, what? And she said, yeah, she said that to me. The therapist said that to me. The VA therapist said that to me. I said, for real, like, and I have no reason to not believe her. Like, she wouldn't lie to me about that. Why would she, she has nothing to gain to lie to me about that kind of thing. And then she 
goes on to talk to the therapist and they said, well, what was your childhood like since PTSD for women is something that starts from when you're a child, when you molested when you were a child, where you touched when you were a child was, you, you know, was your dad mean kind of like being very blunt about it. And so she talks about her childhood to the therapist and they go, yeah, that's not the military's fault. And she's like, I wasn't even here blaming the military. I was blaming that man, but because they want to protect the military and protect the culture within the military, she would then have to write, you know, she would then have to log that information. So once again, you know, she was being blamed and that's, that's kind of like the main thing I'm finding here. Every single woman I've talked to has more bad than good experiences with therapists and more men I've talked to have more good than bad with therapy. So all of this points in my point of view points to the fact that once again, that's a very patriarchal lens. We're trying to help people. We're, we're gaslighting women and we're brainwashing women and we're continuing on this path, even through the medical mental health lens. And to find adequate, adequate care as a woman, first and foremost, even in gynecology is hard enough because we all know that is also done through a patriarchal male lens and where it started and what it's rooted in and how gynecology was even founded. Like it's all completely horrific and we're just given pills to curb our symptoms and not actually help us and long-term use of these pills can actually make things worse. So that's what I'm finding the psychology, mental health counseling group to look like. So there's this, once again, it, it brings me back around to how it's taught. And, and there's this whole entire blame the victim mentality, which is why I like Jessica victim focus is because she talks about this and what it's like being a woman is constantly being blamed like even in our rapes or in our abuse or in our attacks we are consistently blamed <clears throat> and it's even to the point of recently a 16 year old girl was shot and killed body camera footage was released and she was shot and killed by the cops and a man was attacking her now there have been reports that she was she had a knife and she was trying to stab the other girl which is why the cops shot her but here here's the thing that's not a cop's job and there have been plenty of white men with weapons who the cops were able to apprehend um, without killing them so I don't find that to be an adequate excuse but once again because she is a woman we're blaming her. You know, it's a woman with a knife. And for some reason, the cops, she was so dangerous, the cops couldn't apprehend her. But if it's a Kyle Rittenhouse walking down the street with a huge weapon, they're able to apprehend him just fine. You know, so it's things like this. Um, women, once again, are consistently blamed for the woes of society. And, and it's even started in biblical times, right? Eve bit the apple, damned all of woman and manhood or whatever the fuck to damnation. And this transcend into our mental health um, education. <clears throat> so 
it's um kind of remarkable to me how even in this though women aren't mass killing we're not mass murdering you know we're not mass abusing we're not mass raping we're not doing any of this despite the system being set up against us and blaming us for everything you know and it and it's hard to find it's hard to accept that it's not you even like in all of this and you know there and it's i'm not saying all women are completely not at fault because that's not what i'm saying but i'm saying it takes two to tango right when people say self-esteem their esteem relies on others point of view but we're pack mammals so to like to a degree like it's other people's responsibility but it's also a sign right if the people around you are not making you feel good because they are being vicious to you not because they're not stroking your ego but because they are being mean to you then your self-esteem is low because the people around you who are supposed to like you don't actually like you so it's time to like find a better place to be in kind of thing but what is you know what women don't even know what is a better place for us because all the better places for us are also telling us it's our fault and it's like once again you're not crazy like that's exactly what the system is you know there are complete horror stories women have of being told well, what were you wearing? What were you eating? What were you doing? Do you think it's because you're fat? Because you're not actually fat. You know, things like that. It's, why is this all so superficial? You know, there's deeper meaning. And and it's painting woman as superficial. Like our problems are very superficial, right? That's what men think. And even in the comment section, it's like, I wrote about how, you know, one of my relapses was spiraled because I remember one day I was really bloated, like super bloated, which is something like if you have a severe eating disorder and you start to eat is going to happen. Um, so I was really bloated from eating and, and I wasn't even eating an exorbitant amount or unhealthy. I was just bloated. And not that I freaked out, but I was just like, I cannot have this like I you know this food is doing this to my body not that I thought I was fat I'm just like I can't have I can't allow this and it's not because I was just like oh I'm so ugly because I'm bloated like people get bloated but it was like a, a sense of controlling and the only thing I could offer to society and my community was my attractiveness and like the only time I was I felt intimacy from other people was when people called me attractive, you know, I was like, oh, cool. You know, I'm, you know, I, I, <laughs> and, and it's like this weird, it goes deep, right? So let me just, let me tell you how deep it goes and, and how it seems superficial to people to even say that because English is not my first language, number one. So I learned, I had to learn how to speak English. I did not speak English until I went to American school and I've been here, I've been in America, duh, like the entire time, but uh, speaking English was never spoken in my house. And so, um, I watched Sesame Street 
on PBS, which helped me learn my ABCs and one, two, threes in English. And I fucking love Sesame Street. I recommend it. <laughs> like, it's awesome. And um, so when I went to kindergarten, I knew ABCs and one, two, threes, but there was a lot of things I didn't understand. And shout out to Miss Summers, my kindergarten teacher, who is this beautiful, kind soul and who genuinely worked with me to make me understand and, and to like, she was amazing. Like I just remember her as this saint because it just went downhill after, after that, like my first grade teacher wasn't very patient with me. She, when I didn't understand, she would literally tell me to go to the ESL teacher, just go to the ESL teacher, go to the ESL room. Cause she didn't want to put up with me and, and learning how to speak English and then um, same with second and third grade when I didn't understand. And I was just starting to miss more and more school. I just didn't want to be there, but I wasn't allowed to miss school. My family was like, you can't. Education is really important. And so it was it was hard because I had this really bad relationship with education. But despite all that, I persevered. I remained a really good student. I got a scholarship. I worked really hard and it was real. it was all very traumatic for me though. Right. So I was never recognized for my academic success. I was never like, that's the one thing I, I was like, yeah, I did all that. Despite all that, I did all that. Like despite my shortcomings, despite my, you know, my environment, despite what I grew up in, I did that. And I was never like, wow, you know, that's really hard work. Like you did that. That's freaking amazing. It was never that. It, you know, it wasn't even talked about. It was brushed over and I had a very turbulent relationship with my community community. And I was, you know, I was this outspoken woman and I was supposed to get married and I was supposed to just be happy with what a man could provide to me. And I didn't want any of that. You know, I wanted to be known and I was laughed at, you know, when I was when I had these dreams and, and at first, when, especially when I was younger and for a really long time, and I probably still would if I could, um, I'm too old now, but still be a marine biologist. I really, really, really wanted to be a marine biologist. biologist. And um, I was laughed at and told girls couldn't do that. And I wanted to be a comic book artist too. And I was told girls couldn't do that. And to give it up, it's a stupid dream to get an education and what to do with my education, make sure I don't make more money than a man. Yeah, this is, this is shit I was told growing up, by the way, uh, to not make more money than a man. That's bad. That looks bad on him. Um, all of these things. And so that was probably the start of it all. I, I couldn't control anything. I, there was no intimacy for my family. Like I, you know, and I'm not even like when people say intimacy, I'm not even talking about sexual, I am saying, because sex can be without intimacy, but I'm saying, like, there was no connection. There was no, like, hugging of, like, wow, we are so proud of you. Like, you did it, and thank you so much. And, oh, by the way, thank you for helping me get my papers, you know, our immigration papers. Thank you for translating for us. Like, none of that. There was none of that. Add that to the trauma of we always had this fear of immigration deporting us we always had meeting spots like if after school I showed up and they weren't there go to this place or if they come this is our hiding spot things like that and so that was the start of it all it was like okay well I'm just trying to seek my family's approval and like talk to them and 
just at least be praised for all that hard work. And I hit puberty and I hit a growth spurt. So I was tall and thin and people were like, wow, you could be a model. You know, my, my face started to change and I still had this very fucked up view of myself because I didn't have high self-esteem because of my family experience. So I was constantly being objectified by my family as well. Like, oh, make sure you don't eat too much because you don't want to be fat or that's, you know, that's not, that's not a good look. Um, boys don't like curly hair, straighten your hair, things like that. And I have very curly hair and so keep your hair long. Guys don't like short hair. Uh, make sure you, you know how to do makeup and make sure you take care of your skin, things like this. And so when I hit puberty, that, that portion of shit I was told when I was a kid came out and I started getting noticed by family. Like, wow, you're beautiful. You're tall. Your skin is great. You can be a model and like all of these things. And so I was starting to get approval from even parts of my family. So I thought, okay, so this is how I do it. Like I maintain my attractiveness to maintain my connection with my community and my family. And despite that, the other half of me, the the part that's wanted to be academic kept coming out like, you know, don't tolerate. This is bullshit. Like this is wrong. You are smart. Why are you playing dumb? And then when I said these things, I was called narcissistic. You stop being a narcissist. Stop being full of yourself. Oh, calm down. Like you're the smartest. And it's like, that's not what even I'm talking about. Like, I know I'm not stupid, you know, and things like that. And I wanted to learn and I was very interested in learning and I was very interested into talking into talking to people. And as a result, older men preyed upon me. So here I am from an older man's perspective, caring so much about vanity and who was very interested in learning things, you know? And so I, I ran away from home, but I learned very quickly that men actually don't care about how smart you are. And so I was like, Oh, okay. I always make the joke, who needs a brain when you just have to be smooth and slippery like a dolphin, you know, because that's basically it. Like uh, every single conversation I've had with a man, I, I've immediately realized they don't give a fuck about what I have to say because they, they just want to have sex with me. Like, that's it. They made that abundantly clear. And I've been in relationships with men where men have literally thrown that in my face. Well, I listen to you talk. Why can't we be intimate? Why can't we have sex or, you know. I listen to you talk about shit I don't even want to talk about and you can't even have sex with me or things like that. And it was like, oh, I didn't realize hearing me talk meant I had to pay the price with my body, you know? So this reestablished patriarchal narrative has caused me to have an eating disorder and made me relapse in my eating disorder because the only way I could experience intimacy was through my image. So if I'm not pretty and if I'm not skinny, then there is no intimacy in my life. And then I had to reframe and restructure what intimacy was without the help of therapy, by the way, because therapy was just telling me the exact same shit everyone else was telling me. 
every everyone else is, oh, it's about your image. Why is your relationship with food so bad? You can still be skinny and healthy eat, like as if that was what I was concerned about or if as that was the problem, you know? So I had to restructure intimacy and what I find to be intimate and what I value, you know? what is true and meaningful to me and take the risk of losing friends and family over it. And, and maybe, maybe realizing that I, I don't know if I'll ever have an authentic bond with a man, you know, at that point in time, that's what I'm thinking. Could this even happen? You know, but I made the choice that I matter more, even though I've been called narcissistic over it by men because they, you know, all of a sudden I, they don't have access to me. That seems really narcissistic of you because I've been putting people first. I've been putting everyone first before my health. And when I brought up, hey, it really hurts that you can't be intimate to me and listen to me and appreciate things I have to say the way I appreciate the way you, what you offer, the education I've gotten from other people. You know, I always, wow, thank you. You know, thank you for that conversation. That was great. Like, I didn't know that. Or connect with them and value them based on the conversation. I've never expected sex after a conversation. Like, oh, okay, well, you talked to me about shit I did not care about. So now you have to have sex with me. Now you have to do me something in return. Like, I've never thought about it in that way. So, you know... When I say this, I've been called narcissistic. Well, you can't expect everyone to like what you like. I'm not saying that, though. I'm saying that I want authentic. I want authenticity. I don't want phony. Like, I don't, you know, I want people to be interested in what I have to say the way I'm interested in what they have to say. And if they're not, then be honest. You know, but I, you know, in a partner, in a friend in family, or whatever. I want there to be care. I want there to be, I want them to like what I like because I like what they like, even though if I don't like it beforehand, if I don't like it beforehand, then I'm going to tell them. Or maybe I'll grow an interest in it because it, it, if it matters to them that much and they matter to me that much, then I'm going to care about that. Like, how is that narcissistic? You know, but this is what women are told. Once they start to put themselves first, they're called narcissists. And they're even called narcissists, even by some therapist, by some counselors. Because even to them, women are not supposed to put themselves first or their wants first or their likes first or their concerns first. And it's insane to me. We really, really, really need to start teaching and counseling and and restructuring things with a radical feminist point of view. We need to have more radical feminists in these groups, educational corners, academic corners, teaching through this lens and talking about this through this lens because it could save so many women. All right, you guys. I'm Reagan's 3. You can find me on Instagram. Thanks for listening.